It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome back to the D-Rays Bay podcast special. We're back in the postseason. We're back recording live uh, for the first game of the playoffs, for the first W of the playoffs. We've got two different podcasts coming at you. This one will be the instant reaction and then there'll be a special bonus episode from Brett separately. Brett Rutherford is not on this pod. Today you get me. We got Darby Robinson. Hello, Darby. Hello, Danny. And Brianna Gonzalez. Welcome back Hello. to the pod, Bree. Yes, good to be back. So happy to have you on here. Guys, what a night for people named Randy. <laughs> Are you, uh, I, I'm not going to do the British accent that the uh, Deportes <laughs> version decided to break into, asking if you're feeling Randy, baby, on his home run. But his 11th playoff home run in, what, like 85 plate appearances? He's... It's unreal. I mean, he has already become like a real claim to like a Mr. October level crazy nickname. Like he is an un. I, I feel like we have to do it in Spanish. What would that be? Like sen- Senor Octubre. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's it. Yeah, there you go. That's the one. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, so uh, he he hit another home run. He yeah. drew two walks. Yeah, uh, he was an unstoppable force, and of course, he also did something. Now, it, this is all about definition of straight steal because Javi Baez did steal home in 2016, but it was kind of a weird broken play where he broke and then they throw it a third and it kind of got away and he got to home. This was the first true straight steal of home since Jackie Robinson. Oh, I did not. I did not realize the Javi Baez I doesn't count. It's wow. it, this is Kevin Burkhart had that and we kind of kind of looked into it and looking at the play you can look at the hobby bias play so it's definitely like whether you don't want to count that a straight steal of home or whatnot but Kevin Burkhart kind of said it and honestly there is a difference there is a difference when it is one runner versus the pitcher and you just take home there's no hesitation there's no going back it's not like kind of a broken play where somebody it's not even the ball got away he just beat Taylor to the punch Taylor threw, he got, it was a little high and Randy was there. And it was a, just a sensational night for Randy Rose. Randy. The legend grows, it grows even more. Joe Davis had a quality call as well. It yeah. was full of surprise and passion. Uh, his, his energy on the call, like he sees the play happening live before any of us know what's happening watching the screen. And he started yelling and I actually stood up off the couch. Me too. Yeah, I did not know what was happening, but I just knew I was supposed to be reacting. And then Randy comes in out of nowhere. So, Brie, what was what was your experience when you when Randy's stealing home? You just like you, I kind of I started standing. I threw my hands up before I even knew what was happening, just because the call was so good. I was like, what's going on? Something's happening. I don't know what it is. And Mary (laughs) comes flying in and I was just like, are you kidding me? 
at first i'm like what did i miss was i was i looking at twitter what like (laughs) i because there's almost that moment where i was supposed to be paying attention or maybe i was Mm -hmm. talking to my wife and then i I missed something and i but i definitely knew i was looking at the screen i was engaged but i felt like those viral videos where everyone in the class starts clapping and then the dude (laughs) asleep like jumps up and he's like oh what what's going on no, uh, the, the call caught me completely by surprise and it was so excellent uh, from a decently, co- this was probably the second best playoff game called so far of, of the postseason. I've watched them all. I still like the stat cast call uh, most of all, mm-hmm. but I think there's some, <laughs> there's some analytical bias in that. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, my priors are set to uh, prefer the, this stat cast broadcast. I thought it was it was decent from Spolz. Yeah, and, uh, I, I I will give credit. I mean, so Joe Davis is a fantastic play-by-play announcer. He's the play-by-play announcer of the Dodgers, and he was able to take the step step into Vin Scully's shoes, his, Vin Scully's loafers. So that's an already impressive uh, performance. And yeah, he's he was fantastic on the call. Uh, and John Smoltz was the play-by-play. And normally, John Smoltz is one of the most insufferable yeah. play-by-play guy or the color guys because he is a grumpy old man who hates everything. He just hates right. that he's still above ground and having to watch baseball. Um, but that was not the John Smoltz tonight. And he had some really good key, like he, he was calling a really good game and actually mm-hmm. teaching and doing some really fantastic stuff. It's what you would hope for when you get a guy like John Smoltz, one of baseball's all-time best pitchers, to be like, hey, could you tell us about why, what, can you tell, tell us about pitching, please? And instead of being like, get off my lawn, he was like, all right, here's the thing. There's quadrants and here's how you're going to work. But if you miss, you know, by one quadrant, that's like a home run. And he called the Randy home run as well. He was saying he's going to try to get it up here, but if he's, he has not been getting it high enough. And so if he leaves that and he tries for that high fastball, it's going to go out and sure enough. So this was a great called game by Davis and Smoltz. And I do think Smoltz has gotten enough heat for a lot of justified reasons. And I think this is actually Honestly, I'll, I'll tip the cap to him. He did a good job. You know what? He's tipping the cap all right, because if you remember, this was already a special year for John Smoltz because he showed up at the Field of Dreams game with that with that weird old-timey hat. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like sloped in the back, but it comes up to a bill. All the fedoras. It wasn't a fedora. It's like, it's a different kind of old time. Anyway, it, this is the year of Smoltz, apparently, because he. I also loved his, his uh, passion for what Shane McClanahan was doing on the mound. Yes. He loved Shane. <laughs> Schmaltz was uh, schmaltzing. <laughs> uh, so Let's I talk. do, we, we, before we move off of Randy, because we do, I, I do just want to bring up, because we mentioned the home runs. Yeah, I was about to pivot to Shane. What? So Sarah Langs, who is phenomenal and yes. uh, very underused, for, yes. very underused by MLB, but she is awesome. And Sarah Langs at Slangs on Sports, a perfect follow. You got to follow her. Um, she had most home runs in a 19-game span in postseason history. Randy Rosarena has 11 home runs. He ties Carlos Beltran, Jim Tomey, and Babe Ruth, and he is trailing only also Babe Ruth with 12. In, in, a, wow. in that certain game span. In a 19-game in a span in postseason history. So he is dominated like only... Uh, Potentially, Carlos Beltran gets into the Hall of Fame, only Hall of Famers. I mean, also great from uh, Sarah Langs was uh, she was asked a question and she and her response, Randy's 11 career postseason home runs 
is the the franchise lead for Tampa Bay and the franchise lead for 21 other teams as well if he played for them. There are 22 teams where 11 postseason home runs is a franchise record or less. And and that's Randy right now for the Rays. And based on how the postseason uh, might go, he, he could just add on. And the other the other stat that I think stats in CAD was this with the home run and a steal of home. It's a you know it's a very small list of people, but basically he is the first player in Major League Baseball history to in the postseason have a home run and a steal of home. Uh, or in, in baseball, history. baseball history. Baseball history. If we're going sorry. back to Jackie Robinson, sorry, sorry, no, no, no. It's baseball history, not just postseason. It's like nobody's oh. had a home run and a stolen wow. a steal of home in the same game. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Randy is a cheat code, especially when the calendar turns over to October. It's it's incredible. And still a rookie. His third trip to the postseason as a rookie. <laughs> so those rookie records are still like kind of getting pushed further and further out. Um, but speaking of other rookies, Danny, let's let it let us pivot to the lefty. I mean, Bri, I'm interested in your thoughts. You've watched a lot of baseball this year. You've watched a lot of Shane McClanahan this year. Did you think Sugar Shane was going to be this good tonight? I did not. Honestly, I thought we were going to lose this game. I thought we were going to win the next two, but I thought this one was going to be a little shaky. And, you know, Shane, I don't know. I I said on our pod that we recorded last night, I was like, I don't know. I just don't know. Like, he's obviously very good, but, like, something has just made me feel off lately. Like, yeah, I, know, I just felt like I mean, he got off. rocked against the Red Sox, but that was in Fenway. So, you know, caveat yeah. there, September baseball is starting to get cold in Boston. I don't think early September <laughs> was cold in Boston yet. It would be cold if they were playing tonight. Uh, yeah. Sure. did not show up against the Red Sox last time. I think that was like September 8th. So I did not have good feelings going into this game either. And then he has a hundred miles an hour for Devers. <laughs> God, that was just beautiful. I mean, he was so spot on, especially the first few innings tonight. I mean, just really, really outstanding. Because, you know, this was supposed to be Glassnow's game, like in a perfect world. And right. I was like, man, you know, part of me, I love Glassnow. I'm sitting there like, man, like this is Glassnow's game. I don't know. But, you know, it was very well done by Shane. And the first inning started so weird, too. I'm now, now I'm going back through the beginning of the game in my mind and Kyle Schwarber got that dribbler kind of like into the shift that split wander who did not go for it. He did not die for it or anything. Like he just kind of like pulled up a little bit and he's like, yeah, Brandon Lau's got this. And Brandon Lau was like diving (laughs) and trying to make a dramatic play. I mean, it's probably, you see the stat breakdowns of the odds of plays happening when uh, on the fielding statistics, I'm guessing that plays in the zero to 5% range. Like that seems like a very unlikely play, but uh, Brandon didn't have it. And then from there, his defense started getting very shaky. Brandon Lau did not have a strong start to this game defensively. Um, so, and, and then uh, there, the hit and run was on. And so Kyle Schwarber moves up to second when Xander Bogart strike out. And already the other thing that made me feel like this game is going to get weird is we have two outs in the first inning. And the moment Schwarber hits second base, they start changing the sides. And that made me feel weird. I'm like, okay, <laughs> do we think the Red Sox are up to shenanigans? Like, why are we switching up sides in the first inning? I thought things were about to get super weird. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the Red Sox must be one of those teams because isn't that the team that Colin McHugh intentionally balked the guy to third? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. it must be one of those teams you just don't want to mess with. And they're I mean, Alex Cora didn't coach last year, and there was a reason yeah. why he didn't coach last year. <laughs> yes, and it was for some things, shenanigans, as you would say. Um, yeah, oh, I look mean, at I the think, time. Yeah, I think you. I think you. I think it's some interesting games. That was an Apple Watch joke for for our listeners. I think it was an int- it's it's some good gamesmanship already. These two teams know mm-hmm. each other. They played each other a lot. They've seen each other a lot. Shane's the one guy that the Red Sox have actually seen a couple of times, I believe, at least at least twice. And yeah, that's you know maybe you just mix it up a little bit. You want to just change up what you know and. He, it was well, not well Shane, Shane responded it was that 100 mile an hour strike yeah. on Devers uh Sugar Shane is the the hardest throwing lefty in the bigs according to this broadcast I don't think I realized that because you see like relievers coming through or or mm-hmm. you know I mean it, if you told me Adam Conley threw harder than than Shane McClanahan on average I'd be like sure why not like uh it's it's a lefty you know mm-hmm. there's a category of lefties who throw hard that are elite just because they throw hard and so uh, the broadcast kind of surprised me with that, but he locked in, he struck out Devers, and then the race scored runs in the first inning as well. And that was wildly important. Randy walked, uh, wander, dressed uh, head to no hand to toe in bright yellow. <laughs> right. I love him addressing the gold part of the color scheme and, and, yep. and it matches the yellow towels that everywhere. Uh, they waited until uh, that bottom, so that first top of the frame, the whole time I was sitting there like, show me the towels. I want to see everyone like waving those yellow towels and they didn't really show it at all until after uh, Randy scored. Randy scores uh, from first base because Wander lays that double uh, to Kike Hernandez who, who bobbles it out in the outfield and, and Randy comes around home. Towels start and going. That speed though, too. I mean, Randy had an amazing uh, leadoff game because he saw a lot of pitches. He fouled off some pitches and he drew a couple walks. Like, as a, as a leadoff guy, you're at first. He doesn't need to steal second. He's a 2020 guy, but you all kind of know he's not the best stolen base guy <laughs> in the team. Uh, but at first, he is a danger because that ball did not get to the wall and mm-hmm. Randy scores from first. And he was going hard and Wander was going to second right off the bat as well. He was, he was digging immediately. And that means... You know, Kike does not have the strongest arm. He has a very accurate arm, but he does not have a strong arm. So he knows at that ball, he has to get over to it and he's got to get it in very fast because Randy can score. Wander's trying to get to second. And that speed kind of forces a bobble. That forces the error on Kike, which allows Randy to score. It allows Wander to kind of stand up, walk into second, start the, the cheering. And so that speed right off the bat, that kind of extra dynamic turned a really hard hit double that did not even reach the wall because Kike did make a pretty good play to get over to it into a opening run. I mean, it, it bounced it a couple fantastic. times. But, but Darby, I'm reminded uh, at the beginning of the pod, you said something important. And uh, I, I think I do need to correct the record. You said no one could stop Randy Rosarina tonight. I do think it's important remembering that Rodney Linares did <laughs> successfully stop Randy later in the game. When he tried to do the exact same thing and a ball was bobbled by an outfielder. It was Verdugo over by Crawford's corner, like trying to play a ball. 
and it looked like it might have gotten away and randy was staring down verdugo instead of his base running coach and so he turns the corner and rodney lanaris looks like he's about to have like a conniption fit just like throwing both hands up in the air and then pointing at the base like you need to touch third base and, and he dives back in uh and, and that was quality because that's what preceded the steal of home it was, it was basically Randy saying, okay, you can stop me now, but I'm going to go like a couple more pitches. Like I'm getting home. I am not, I am, I have earned home plate right now and he was going to take it. So yeah. Good job, uh, Rand. Good job, Rodney, for being the only person to, <laughs> to be able to slow down Randy even a little bit tonight. But just incredible tone setting. I mean, uh, I, I'm not a big believer in like setting the tone in the regular season, but the postseason, like narrative, comes at you and then it, it it persists right if things start going a certain way in the playoffs it just starts going that way if Tropicana Field wants to be weird tonight it's going to be weird all night long <laughs> there will be several players including freaking Kevin Kiermeyer, who is unable to field one of the baseballs up in the dome right uh and, and Shane settling in not bothered by Kyle Schwarber moving up into scoring position great and Shane continued to settle in even when things got weird later in the night as well. The Rays scoring a bunch of runs, not just Randy. Uh, I guess we should finish the first inning, right? Wander moves up to third base when uh, Nelly Cruz hits a fly ball to the, the place formerly known as the Captain Morgan party deck. Uh, currently unsponsored because our marketing people <laughs> are just. Brilliant. Doing great. <laughs> I, I don't know how you don't have a sponsor for a section of the ballpark right now. It's unsponsored. So we'll go with Captain Morgan. Uh, and then uh, he scores because that's the Yandy slide. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he moves up on this, on the fly out. I did it and... again. I always call him Yandy because of the freaking Gandy bridge. It's Yandy. <laughs> Yandy. I know better. And then that's we like start the Franco the Franco thing. We had to hear Franco all night. I mean, I, come I'll on. tell you what, if yeah. I own the team, I hope I would get Franco right. Um, so yeah. back on topic, uh, Yandi Diaz sliding into first base. Why? Hey, I mean, it, the run wouldn't have scored if he didn't do that because it was two outs. So, I mean, I respect I it. I, I mean, like was it. it the best decision? Probably not, but it worked and he's not hurt. So I'll take it. Well, that's the thing. Like you, you slow down and you increase the probability of getting hurt. <laughs> Yandy Diaz was really important tonight. Yeah, he made a lot of crucial outs. I do not like the sliding into first base. I never understand. I know it's instinct. I know you're trying to like avoid a tag or something like that. But you have a man on third, and it's it's a like a ground ball. Like what are we doing? Oh, uh, I figured he tripped, but there was no replay that showed me he tripped. <laughs> No, that was just straight effort. That was hustle from Yandi Diaz, which I did not expect to see right out of the gate. But you know what? I love it. He's hungry. <laughs> yeah, that 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 first inning, you mentioned it. It's a tone setter. It's, you know, you have Randy drawing the walk. You have him, you have Wander getting his first postseason at bat and then smoking a double right there. Getting getting Randy home there. And then you have an inning where I, Here's the thing. Eduardo Rodriguez was cooked tonight from pitch one. He yeah. had nothing. He was really bad. He got very lucky to escape this with only two runs, and he did get pulled in the second inning, so that also is why. But, like, the entire lineup absolutely was just seeing him perfectly well. 
And so Brandon Lau laced a very hard hit liner to Renfro. So it just ended up being in the wrong spot. You had, you had, uh, you had Diaz or you had a Nelson just miss what could have been a home run to dead center. And so you get Yandi to not let him escape the inning. Like he doesn't get to escape with just the one run scored and have that little bit of momentum. Instead, the dribbler, the weakest hit ball on the night against Rodriguez goes for an RBI single. Thanks to the, the hustle from, from Yandi Diaz. So that's, that's how you got to do it, right? You, you almost get off the hook. The Red Sox almost came through a couple of times tonight, but every single time the Rays were able to tighten up and get the job done and, not let the Red Sox have any like joy tonight. Every time there is a little bit of a spark yeah. extinguished. Shane McClanahan specifically too. I mean, we talked about the first inning, the second inning also got weird. I mean, we, we uh, hinted at it by say Brandon Lau's defense was a question mark tonight. Uh, at least early on, he settled in. Uh, and it's almost like that second inning might've been where all of it happened. Um, Hunter Renfro comes up. Everyone in the Rays universe hates Hunter Renfro now for some reason. Uh, I do not understand. Twitter just lights up when Hunter Renfro appears. It is uh, mildly confusing because he was not a big deal last year and he's still not a big deal now. He just It's really like if arm. Joey Ricard was a really good player. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's Joey Ricard's level of ownage of just this one team, except for if it was like an actual legit major league, like all-star level player like combined into that where he's not this against everybody else everybody else in the league hunter renfro is having an okay like two win season but against the rays he is like prime barry bonds it's so weird and uh yes he is he's the scariest bat in the entire lineup for the red sox for me for some reason no, like Devers, <laughs> i mean it, you know, it, it felt scary it felt scary in the in the second inning he gives a ride to the wall and then randy plays the mess out of that ball he fields it right on the one hop off of the wall turns around fires it to second base limits uh hunter renfro to just a single and then the the brandon Lau error happens where it's a it's it's a ground ball to you buddy why is it popping like up and behind you it's like a magic trick i have no idea how <laughs> how the ball got away uh the next at bat it's another super hard hit ball straight to brandon Lau, and i literally wanted to throw my computer uh because it was the closest thing to me i was like no uh <laughs> but you know he bare hands it to to wander franco and you get a double play and then everything kind of settles in from there shane mcclanahan uh apparently ice in his veins because uh i mean you're facing the red Sox lineup and you're facing decent hitters and it's the playoffs and apparently two men on and none out in the second inning cannot phase you so, I guess that's what happens when you make your debut in the postseason. That's he, he's bored what he's with made it. For now. He's, he's like, LDS, meh, I've been here. <laughs> meh. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Gosh, let's see. Who else? Mike Zanino. Decent game from him. 
he he was on on a lot of this stuff. Like he he definitely had a couple of pitches to hit. He had a couple of uh, he was just off on like mm-hmm. two big flies. Yes, he had one deep flies that was all the way, maybe touched the top of the dome. It was so high up there that Verdugo, I think, lost, got lost yeah. again, and then re like was like, okay, there it is. Um, yeah, there was this was a tough game for the dome as well i mean so you had verdugo on zunino and then you also had a couple others with christian arroyo and kiermaier which we'll get to so verdugo held on to that one but uh, zunino really put some balls into play that so close so still loving still loving our uh our big zunino zunino is good is still strong and right dude i was thinking about his relationship with shane mcclanahan tonight calling a great game switching up the slides the defense was there. Very few sliders got away uh, yeah. tonight, uh, and from Shane, but there were none of them that got that got away from Zanino. Uh, there was one moment where he he might have double clutched on a on a throw to second base, but like whatever, yeah. it ended up being fine. So, I think it was the Schwarber moving up. Actually, he was gonna double clutch yeah. on that one. But yeah, that's right. Uh, and, you know, big man barreling towards second base, you would have yeah. think the uh, a competitive throw might have happened, but it, it just kind of weird. Or maybe it maybe it popped. I don't know. I didn't see a lot of. Replay. I think it popped out a little bit. He lost. Yeah. His um, goodness gracious. Who else? I think we should also talk. Let's I, talk we, about Nelson Cruz. Yeah, he I was about to go there. Nelson. I was about to go let's, there. Let's we need go to talk with about the Nelson Cruz move. We shot. talked about Wander, who's who's twenty. Let's yes. talk about. The double, double plus one uh, with Boomstick, who, oh boy, he had two that almost went out, but the one that did, holy moly. He was trying to demolish the trop himself tonight. I mean, the C-ring is, was, was there for him. It, <laughs> gosh, there was a great reply in my mentions on Twitter. Uh, hold on, hold on. Because I, I was tweeting about the C-ring and my love for the C-ring and... Uh, <laughs> There was a quality, quality tweet about if I'm not going to find it quickly, this is going to make me sad. Uh, Brett, you're going to have to uh, <laughs> edit out my uh, stalling while I look for <laughs> a quality. Okay. This was the second time a New England team was negatively impacted by a ball clinging against a metal bar in one week. Oh, no. That was a great reply on Twitter. <laughs> That was good. That's good. That's That's good stuff. That was worth the wait. (laughs) Uh, Nelson Cruz, uh, like Zanino, I think had three rides to the warning track. uh, Mm -hmm. And at least he connected on one. That was uh, a home run. And also important to note, the Red Sox played that play out. There was, it was not clear that it was a home run to start out with. The Mm -hmm. foghorn was not going off yet. Uh, and the Red Sox players were hustling and were throwing the ball around and getting it very close to trying to attack him. Nelson Cruz not phased at all. He knew it was gone, and he was just going to do his slow trot <laughs> the whole <laughs> way through. He was convinced uh, that would have been a very Giancarlo Stantonian uh, way to be called out if uh, if that had not <laughs> been ruled a home run, but it yeah. clearly was. Do, did we get the projected distance on that, what it would have been? Oh, I'm sure we did. See. I didn't see. I didn't Darby, see it, can you pull up the Statcast uh, uh, tracker? I do have that. Let's see. I can see if I can try to find it. He, uh, it, it was his top distance was 406. However, 
I don't think that is projecting the full, it's not how far it went because that's not 406 up to there, but yeah. it's, I, I think StatCast really struggles with the catwalks because, <laughs> because, <laughs> because 406, I feel like that, like that would have been way out of Fenway. Yeah. That would have been beyond, it would have been beyond Yaki way. That would have been like way the heck, that would be just like absolutely hitting somebody, hitting some cart somewhere deep into the night uh this that is that is nelson cruz like that mm-hmm. is the nelson cruz as advertised who every time he came up he was a threat like he was not a like easy he had one grounder but like basically other than that like every time he came up he was somebody that the red sox really had to be afraid of and in general this raised lineup up to the bottom like it was a lineup that was not easy like you had you had Lau was over Zanino was over and those two guys had some of the hardest hit balls of the night Brandon Lau had two of the five hardest hit balls of the night one at 111 miles per hour one at 109.5 miles per hour they just happened to end up right at people so like he got unlucky um Yandi had a had a screamer that went right to Renfro like Mm -hmm. the, the tonight also the Red Sox too I will give them credit they were also like lasering balls. Everybody was hitting. They, they, everybody came to hit tonight. But uh, what's weird is most of the Red Sox offense came off of their worst contact. Like there was like a drip, like they got a bunch of hits, but like the Arroyo single down the line. Yeah, Bogart there was a lot of a dribblers. Yeah, single, but it was like, these were not, the lasers found gloves and the dribblers found, found grass, but the Rays were able to get their hard hit contact to also go into play. And that's the difference. They had the home runs, they had the doubles, they had the extra base hits. And you avoid extra base hits, you're going to win the game. If you hit more home runs than the other team, you're going to win the game. This is just analysis from Darby Robinson. (laughs) You score Uh, more runs than the other team, you got a really good chance of winning. uh, Uh, Speaking of people who are grinding it out tonight, uh, kudos to Jordan Luplo. Yep, that's what We've I was got about the to surprise say. addition to the roster over Brett Phillips. Brett Phillips, who was a, such a good sport about it with the media, uh, pretending to be one of the coaches pregame. Uh, excellent quality. Uh, you know, Luplo was striking out, but they were strong at bats. Mm-hmm. I, I feel good and about that. He played that. good defense. He also played really solid yep. defense at first for a guy that, again, hadn't played first for like almost a decade <laughs> he was allowed to struggle with the with the roof tonight and also luplo did field one that was uh, caught up in the roof tonight mm-hmm. you know who deserves credit tonight as one of the best uh members of the Rays organization the crowd mm. yeah. the crowd was loud it was not sold out let's let's put a tab a tab on that one we'll come back to it later uh but oh my goodness in the third inning the crowd was was so loud uh, and I was getting nervous because Brandon Lau was fielding the ball and I was like, shh, <laughs> <laughs> let him concentrate, let him do his work. But then the fourth inning, it got loud again. There was a moment where it was like a one, one count with one out and the crowd started getting dead. It was, it, Schmaltz was in the middle of his schmaltzing over Shane and the crowd was so loud. And I'm like, why? It is a one, one count. There's no strikeout available. And the, I was like, is someone is someone naked running on the field right now? Like, <laughs> did someone let out DJ Kitty? 
I don't understand why everyone was so loud. It was it was crazy in the fourth inning. And then even later in the game, too, I was still thinking like, wow, this crowd is into it. Yeah, the, eighth inning, the eighth inning when uh, JP Fire Rising was there uh, and, and Arroyo had just tapped one up the right field. Line. Again, one of those slow dribblers. And, and the crowd was so freaking loud uh, when, when Fire Rising got the next out. And I was like, why? Stop distracting our players. <laughs> like, you're, shh, they're used to playing in front of quiet. But I guess the players responded. I don't know. They love yeah, Trucktober. And watching the Astros-White Sox game earlier, like, obviously, the Astros had a great crowd and everything. I'm sure it was better than ours. But, I mean, they were quiet, honestly, most of the time. Like, I was sitting there, and I was like, this doesn't feel like a postseason game, whether that's because the White Sox just didn't show up or not. I don't know. But right. I don't know. The Dodgers Trump game kind of felt that way too. The Dodgers crowd was weak. Yeah. It was very now, maybe it was just nervy, like especially yeah. at the end of the game. Like it was a quiet crowd because you're on pins and needles. You're thinking about is this about to go into extra innings? Like, uh, is Albert Pujols is here now? <laughs> yeah. I, but <laughs> but that would make more sense if it was an away game for the Dodgers. It was a home game for the Dodgers yeah. and it was so quiet. I don't know. That was weird. Th- this was so far the second most lively playoff crowd besides Boston against New York. And that's a elimination game. So I, I, that you can't really compare elimination game, heated rival, you lose, you're done with the season. Like that, that's like the peak. That's the game seven type. But this was for a game one, loud, loud, engaged, enthusiastic. They were, they were exactly what you needed to kind of, push you on and the and the team responded all those shots that fox had or fs1 had with randy going back out to left field Mm -hmm. i mean like this guy is you you forget about it because we we had wander come up right and you know he's the the hottest newest shiniest toy randy is probably going to win the rookie of the year he probably should win the rookie of the year and this guy is a megastar waiting to happen like mm-hmm. the, just the personality, the charisma, the just the excitement, the cool that emanates from Randy is through the roof, through the dome, through the oh, top I, of the truck. I definitely appreciate the crowd following him, particularly in the sixth inning after he hit the home run. And and uh, I think the crowd responded well to his uh, non-bat flip. He was so famous for the bat flips where he would spin the the bat sideways last year in the postseason. And then uh, in this moment, he's like smacking his chest and he's pointing at the ground, maybe. And the (laughs) crowd was into it. And then Chargois is supposed to start pitching. And the crowd is just all in on Randy. The cameras are following Randy. And I'm like, they're they're, like Chargois just gave up a single and we're still watching Randy. I don't know. He turned out fine, too. Yeah. yeah, let's uh let's talk about the bullpen. So Shane goes to just to put the cap on Shane, five innings, zero runs, big thing, zero walks. He did not give the Red Sox any help. He didn't give them any free help. They had to earn hits, they had to get on base and get three strikeouts. It was he gave a lot of hard contact, but this is the first playoff start for Shane McClanahan. He is a rookie. This is supposed to be hard. And he went five innings I, I, I mean, and shut down the Red Sox. I didn't expect him to pitch the fifth inning. Neither. He was at 66 pitches after four. 
which seems like a decent time to pull a rookie who's been throwing all year as a starter for like the first time in a bit because 2020 was that weird everyone's a reliever now kind of thing he hasn't come out of that it's the playoffs 66 count uh uh for pitch count and then the fourth is over like it seems really reasonable that you would just lift him then and, and I yet, totally expected him to. I thought uh, he was done for. Because, like, that wasn't – I mean, he didn't really give up much in that inning, but, like, he wasn't as sharp. You could tell there was, like, a decent drop oh, in the yeah. quality between he was what he gassed. was doing in the first few innings. Yeah, He was gassed. A couple of the pitches, his mechanics started slipping away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 3-2 counts, which we weren't used to seeing out of Sugar Shane. And, and I mean, easy grounder. You know, like it, it ended up being easy outs, but um, yeah, I got I got super worried about Shane McClanahan in the fifth inning. It started falling apart for sure. The rest of the the rest of the bullpen night, though. Yeah, this is a the order of things was really interesting. So, so, so JT Shargwag is the first guy in. Did anybody see him being the first guy out of the pen? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> no, me neither. I like, I like JT Chargois. Did not see that coming. Um, then David Robertson. Okay. Yeah. That was a professional inning. Yeah. That is a dude who the moment is like, yeah, guys, children, <laughs> I've been here before. <laughs> in one of the ALDS, wake me up when it's the world series and I'm having to like, uh, set up for Mariano. Like this is, yeah. Hmm. I can I can they, take there was the, the one the there ALDS was the one ride I talk about fly balls to the warning track Margot had his butt like up against the wall right mm-hmm. so there was like one small scare in that outing but I, there was like that level of exuberance maybe it's because he's an old man but that level of confidence that like it inspired to see Dave Robinson take the mound I did not expect to feel based on the length yeah. of time he's been with the club the amount of uh, runs that have tacked on during the regular season that he was in the freaking Olympics prior to coming here and being the, the the closer for the Olympics and you know he's getting getting to to pitch in high leverage he's getting doll he back. one he had one cutter that I I think it was to Vasquez I think it was after Dahlbeck threw it he threw a, a a cutter that absolutely knee buckled Vasquez for a strike and it was just like perfect it was perfect um but robertson came in uh sharp again very sharp uh gave up the solid contact at bobby dahlbeck actually good credit to bobby dahlbeck too over four but three hard hit balls and he had a hard hit ball against a shane mcclanahan fastball who he came after him right there with all fastballs bobby dahlbeck is very famously and i was on twitter talking about this too he he is one of the worst hitters in all of major league baseball on pitches 97 miles per hour or faster Mm. he he is like nate low-esque in terms of just like utterly cannot hit anything <laughs> fast but shane mcclanahan had just dropped a little bit so he was right in the 96 97 range running the border and he got a pretty good liner he had a screaming liner right to yandy who was able to snare it for and out but mm-hmm. dollback Dahl, actually had a pretty good game for for an over four he had a he had a pretty good game out there so kudos to him uh, and hopefully that's the best game he has all series um, and then to close it out, let's, let's yeah, all, I mean, that, we got to talk about that. This is two innings. Yeah. We have to close this pod talking about freaking JP fire Eisen. I'm getting a lot of freaking this, this night, but <laughs> what on earth two innings? Yeah. 
he got some strikeouts in there too. I mean, doubt. Oh boy. Again, Bree, did you think again for the first save of the postseason? Who had JP Fireisen on the list? Not me. <laughs> this is a game that the Rays were able to shut out the Red Sox without using Colin McHugh, Pete Fairbanks. All-star Andrew Kittredge. Yeah, that was yeah. huge. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, no Colin McHugh either, who I expected to follow Shane McClanahan. Mm-hmm. He was nowhere to be seen. He, I think he had a hoodie on. He never even stood up. No, he, he he threw for a little bit. Did he? Then he did he? I saw Pete yep. throwing. and uh, Pete and Colin throw. both threw. Okay. The steal of home set McHugh down. Yeah. So oh. the, Mc, the McHugh lead of Randy... <laughs> Sent. Oh boy, nice. that's that's uh, a Danny that joke. That's a Danny joke. Uh, I know. Rubbing off I'm rubbing off on you. Um, that, or you're going to be a dad soon. Have you not told us something? Me, me, <laughs> me, um. So okay, JP Fireisen. Right, Mister. My let's, spin rate disappeared and has been slowly coming back. It's slowly coming back though. He's slowly coming back. Shout out to Homan on Twitter. Yeah, it's it's coming back, and so he has a not a high. 90s fastball but it's a very high spin not quite as high spin as it was before there was a a ban uh but it's still a very high spin fastball and it's a very high rise or a very low drop whichever you want to say uh fastball so 92 with that kind of movement is really really tough and it allows you to take on Rafael Devers and we'll set up why that is after this but he was able to take on Rafael Devers with the bases loaded and one out, and he was able to blow two fastballs dead center right above Devers' bat. Swung all the way through him. Now, I do think Devers might still be having a lingering yeah. injury. That I these are those are pitches that should have been sent, but those are very tough pitches too. Like those are not just dead center straight fastballs. Those are with some movement. And then he got him with. What we saw from Fire Rising when he came over from the Brewers, which is those high fastballs that you go, okay, it's going to drop a little bit and it just keeps on riding and you swing wildly under it. And Devers got that K. That was a unbelievable moment to pick up what was a huge momentum shift uh, right there, which we was, we've danced that around That brings it. us back to momentum and narrative and very, very little stats on this podcast. <laughs> it's the playoffs. Stats are stats are for nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Brie, why we why have we not talked much about Wander Franco so far? Because I mean, Randy just kind of overshadowed him, I guess. But then the pitching, I mean, I don't. It was just a good game all around. Wander couldn't steal all the spotlight this time, but I mean, he had an outstanding game as well. It was yeah, pretty I mean, easy. Is... It was hard to tell which which balls, uh, ground balls hit to him. He was going to die for, and which ones he wasn't. But you know, yeah. Wander had two doubles. He went two for four with two doubles, and we, and he's just like, yeah, solid. But then let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about this guy. That's that's the mark mm-hmm. of a great team win. Yeah, right there. Yeah. That like we are just like, all right, the twenty year old super uber god. That's like the biggest hyped prospect ever. That's also now living up to all of the hype in the world who tied Frank Robinson's on base street, like all of that. And he's just like, yeah, oh, pretty solid. But you know, we also have to talk <laughs> about Yandy Diaz. And it's like every, everybody contributed, everybody contributed. 
okay, one person contributed negatively, and we we gotta address. Is it is it Raphael Devers's wrist or whatever's going mm. on with that? That that did contribute very nicely for the Rays. Um, no, no, we gotta talk. We gotta talk about the platinum glove in the. Oh, dear. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Who who wants to explain what could have been one of the all-time worst plays like one of the all-time brutal deflating plays which by the way we're gonna it's it's already gonna be forgotten about mm-hmm. it's already done they got the win it's over but jp fire Eisen, after after nearly getting a strikeout that probably could have been called it was right there on the black but didn't get called whatever it goes for a base hit after that okay Runners at first and second, one out. Fire Eisen has done really well. He's given up two pretty weak contact. So whatever. He's still pitching well. And then he gets a towering pop-up all the way up from Xander Bogarts. Like that is you, that is one of the most dangerous bats in the lineup. And you got him to pop it up to kind of medium center field. Yeah. Wander goes out, but then he decides to obviously clear out of the way. But very quickly, Kevin Kiermaier is on an island and he is throwing up the hands. He's yeah, I didn't like it. He lost it. This is literally your job, my guy. Like, you are supposed to know how to play off this dome. You have been doing it forever. We, we saw Verdugo make a catch. We saw Christian Arroyo save a run on a catch. He lost, but then picked oh, yeah. up again. And Doe for So the one guy, we saw Jordan Luplo. Be able to play multiple <laughs> balls off the off the sky from first, but Kevin Kiermeyer, who has played his entire career inside this dome in every form of lighting, who is the best defensive center fielder in baseball. If you need to know, you if can he's ask healthy, Kevin if Kiermeyer, he's healthy. if he's healthy, uh, he'll no, he'll tell you no matter what, he's the best defensive center fielder in baseball. Well, he has um, to say that. And it was it was bad. He lost it completely. And Randy, you could see this was almost a repeat of that Randy play because you saw Randy. Basically I thought Randy was going to do out. it again. Yeah. I swear, if he would have done that, then like it's just oh, like, it's coming just, out of nowhere and then dying. then it's the Randy Rosarena game. I mean, it already is, but then it's just like yeah. holy moly. Then we're just we're renaming. I, I want the something MVP. better than the ALDS to be the Randy game. Come on. Yes. Facts. Yeah. But yeah, that Shoot. that drop that bloop ended up making it bases loaded, one out with Raphael Devers coming up with Hunter yeah. Renfro right behind him. God. Suddenly, a 5-0 game is getting awfully tense. Oh yeah, bases juiced, bases loaded. Did not feel good about that. What do, what do we think of Kevin Cash leaving Fire Eisen in? Fairbanks was up, he for, was warming. For Raphael Devers. For Raphael Devers. One of the best hitters in baseball, lefty. But but when when the base what, what's is your loaded, what's our thinking? J- what's our thinking? J- at this point? is at like fourteen pitches when the bases get loaded. Yeah, and if he makes it through Devers, then he gets to uh, face Renfro, and 
I mean, Devers strikes out on a high fastball and then Renfro pops out and then it's over. To Yandy so. Diaz, who can play it off the roof, he can catch up a pop up. <laughs> um, but no, like, seriously, what's the emotion? This is an emotions based podcast. What's what's your emotion, Devers coming up there, fire eyes and in? Bree? I mean, I don't know if I wanted Fairbanks in there either, though, if I'm being honest with you. Like, mm. I think because Fire Eisen was pitching well, I, I, I don't know. In that moment, I kind of trusted him more than I trusted Pete Fairbanks, I would think. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I'm I'm married to to the idea that he needed to go, but it, it definitely surprised me in the state uh, or, yeah. you know, in the slack and, and trying to understand what was going on. Um, it, it surprised me in the moment, but I actually, I agree with you, Bree, that for some reason, when Cash left him out there, yeah, there was like a sense of calm in me. Yeah, And I feel like, okay, this is a weird, again, this is going to be, we're just like really making a hard left turn from analytics here. But, <laughs> but. I know. How does it make you feel, this, Darby? It, this is, but this is actually where people don't understand what the Rays do and what Kevin Cash does as a manager. Yeah. Because Kevin Cash is a former player. He is not a like a, a guy locked in the I lab. hate this conversation so much. I hate it. Oh my God. But this Did is you see the, thing? At the At the beginning of the show when they're like, oh, you know, Alex Cora, he's such an amazing manager. Look at his no. record. He's Alex got Cora wins. has, <laughs> the Red Sox give Alex Cora the autonomy to manage with yes. feel while Kevin Cash, his challenge will be to look up from the iPad as stated by Alex Cora. He's an iPad. Like, I don't even know. He's just yeah. like, <laughs> Anyway, I think one of the things that Kevin Cash does in like managerial jobs in baseball are such like a, what what works and what doesn't are so Darby committed nebulous. to the field topic. All right. Him yeah, yeah. So it's, they're so nebulous and we, we blame managers for things that aren't in their control and we give them mm-hmm. credit for things that aren't in their control. What the real job of managing a baseball team is, is soft skills. It is making a bunch of grown men get in touch with their feelings, be able to understand, like control emotions and feel confidence. It is entirely about that. It is not about it. Like there is so much about what you think like you have to make the right move and you have to push this piece and this chess move. So much of it is just in that moment, I do think there is like a sense of just like, whatever. Okay, you got the pop-up. That should be an out. You're still pitching great. Like he's still pitching well. We still like the matchup. Like this isn't like we need to panic. We got to pull a guy because it's bases loaded. Well, but this that, is, that point it's eight moment. nine one. The game was over. That I mean, in the ninth. But like this is Devers versus Renfro. That is an incredible moment of just saying, no, this is we're not going to panic. We're not going to go. I I like this matchup. This is fine. Everybody, I'm not panicking as the manager. Why should anybody else panic? Mm-hmm. Right? Like he's the guy that has the. And I think that's the thing is it's not like the oh if if. You, you got to make this move. You got to do this. You got to yell. You got to do. It's just these weird soft skills that this game is about. And there is that sense of calm that like, oh, Kevin Cash is fine with this situation. He's not like pacing and like, oh, ooh, we got to get, you know, Fairbanks in there. We got to get Colin McHugh. There's no double barrel bullpen action. It's just like, yeah, we got this. <laughs> Let's just, we're going to go for it. And Fire Ryzen was pitching great. And he, he, dom- he, he got two unbelievably key outs. He then came back for the ninth and, you know, worked at easy bottom of the bottom of the rotation, you know, one, two, three, no big deal there, but what an earned save. The save stat is, is kind of lame, but that was a very earned, very earned, uh, uh, closeout. Well, Bree. 
Yes. I'm going to need a full report on whether or not the trop actually looks like it's in the middle of the night or if that was just the Fox broadcast for some reason making the trop look dingier than it already is. No, it absolutely looked super just off. It looked terrible on the broadcast. I mean, it was so ugly. Okay, so no wonder. conspiracy theory time. Let's take off analytical yes. mind. Let's take off. I'm going to... Uh, manage with my feelings mind that darby was wearing uh that hat just a second ago uh conspiracy theory time uh number one the drop came into play like every inning number two the drop was not sold out by any stretch of the imagination in the playoffs against the red sox who typically dominate the attendance and number three the drop looked horrendous on the broadcast who did Stu pay off to make the situation look as bad as possible so that he can get a new stadium? Listen, I will add to this conspiracy theory just by saying I kept checking the tickets like every day for this game. And on, I don't even know, like a couple days ago, the lower bowl, there was one section available and there were three tickets left in it in the lower bowl. And then today I went on a ton of lower bowl tickets left, like 30 in multiple sections. I was like, how, so is that, how does that make sense? Like, it doesn't that make sense. doesn't add up. If, so no, I don't I know mean, if they were I, holding I, tickets. Not, I mean, that doesn't make sense. I'm not inclined to conspiracy theories because personally, I think uh, stupidity is always the, the path of least resistance. And if something is yeah. looks like a conspiracy, it's normally just like incompetence taking over. So I was it conspiracy or was it incompetence? I'm not sure. But based on the screenshots I saw flying on Twitter as well, it did seem as if over the last couple of days, the team would sell out, quote unquote, and then they would release a new batch of tickets and then it would sell mm -hmm. out. And why are you creating this space? It's a playoff game. You should try to sell it out. You should just release all the tickets at once. Why are you creating a situation where the tickets are coming out in phases over time or leaving opportunity for people to try to buy tickets where they wouldn't be able to get them? I feel like that just leads to you not making money which is why I feel like it's a conspiracy theory because it's, it doesn't seem like the obvious answer, but this doesn't make sense to me why there's only 27,000 fans in a playoff game at Tropicana Field. They were loud, they were engaged, and that's great, but that is not enough people, pandemic or not. So that was weird. I agree. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird, but I think tomorrow looks like it's going to be a much better crowd so. like a real sellout or at least close to yes. it the tarps are off uh before we go should we talk about bj upton yes absolutely <laughs> that was gold brie can you please recap what's happening with bj upton tonight yeah so keep in mind bj upton has not tweeted uh in since, seven months yeah since march 1st i believe yeah march 1st was his last tweet and it was just an instagram link uh, <laughs> during the game, Stu needs to sell just <laughs> out of, <laughs> just absolutely out of nowhere. This is galaxy Stu brain stuff from, from a former player who was there for the dark days. And then Stu came in and remade the team and yeah. then got to play for the good version as well. Like this is quite a heel turn. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, He's still going too. I oh he's still going. No, no, no. Tell me, tell me. I don't do I need to pull it up on my page? What is what is BJ Upton tweeting? Get just read through him, Brie. 
You want me to start from the very beginning after Stu Needs to Sell? Yes, 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 okay. yes. All right, so we got Stu Needs to Sell. Separate tweet. And he tried to use the playoffs as a bullshit plan. Randy is a savage. <laughs> Just I in mean, between. That's, that's the game game recognized game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the steal of home yeah. happens third. So yeah, he gets distracted go. by Randy. And he goes, y'all want to start a petition? I'm down. We work too hard to build this. And he wants to walk out on a city. Mm. Y'all tell me what y'all want to do. I'm down. Just uh, often when I want to make large life decisions, I just crowdsource to Twitter. Yes, continue. Oh, yeah. That's a W. Right okay, when they so the won, so. win. There's that. I've got a buyer. <laughs> What's the next Wild. BJ Upton is saying he has a buyer for the team to yeah. acquire the Tampa Bay Rays. That's crazy. I mean, I wonder if someone on here sent him a message and said, hey, I want. I would love to buy the team. <laughs> I wonder if that's how that went down. <laughs> I mean, I too would love to buy the team. I'm missing like a billion dollars <laughs> yeah, to get for it done. Sure. Yeah. Was that the um, end? Oh, no. No, no, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> this one's really good. <laughs> oh, God. First off, who... Who listens to Brian Alt? Oh, poor Brian. <laughs> oh, God. That was Ray's president. Well, oh, sorry. One of the many presidents at the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. This, the same team that took me to arbitration. <laughs> Over 300K. <laughs> <laughs> that did suck. Okay. Oh, man. I hate the Nicklin Diamond. Uh, and I've already got my tickets for game five. So there's that. Ooh. It's about support. Okay. And he said, the Rays told me they sold out of suites and they're working on it. I don't know what they're working on. I guess getting him a suite. I'm not sure. But... Wait, wait. The Rays told me they sold out of suites and they're working on it. Are they going to build new suites? Are they going to put uh, yeah. BJ? Or is boss man going to go in like one of the conference rooms? <laughs> you know, like are out in left field where there's like the glass... <laughs> overlooking it from like the Ray's uh office suite yeah uh, is he gonna get a suite named after him for finding a buyer for the team oh my like, gosh the boss man suite presumably <laughs> uh a, a buyer that wants to keep the Rays in the Tampa Bay area wild that BJ Upton has awoken from his hibernation to <laughs> say Randy's a savage and, <laughs> and then to savage Brian Old. yeah Let's just say this. I I need to know where BJ uh, gets his party supplies because it sounds like he's having a great time. And yeah. Washington has legalized a lot of stuff, but it, nothing that good. Uh, I'll have what he's having. Um, uh, wild. All right. I hope BJ Upton <laughs> live tweets the playoffs. That would make me very happy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He seems to be very vocal and open about his uh, his thoughts on the team. So that needs to continue. Bree, where are you sitting tomorrow? I, I'm i sitting at 300 level. I, I sat there and I was like, ooh, I haven't sat in 300 levels since like, I don't know, 2010. I don't know. So Dang. I was like, I'm going up there. I'm ready. That's great. Is it like dead center or are you off to the side? Yeah, I'm dead center. That's legit. That's good. I'm forward. That's a great view. It is. The only thing it's missing is the TVs that you get on the 200 level, but 
yeah but I, I don't like that i don't like watching the tvs while i'm there it bothers me mm. i, I want to see every pitch so i don't know yeah oh well 300 be fun i hope it's rocking i hope you get a rally towel absolutely um thank you so much for joining us this was a instant reaction uh <laughs> it ended up going pretty long uh but these are the off the cuff uh, thoughts and opinions about the game. Does anyone have any final thoughts? Shane Boss prediction. What do we think? Oh my God. Is he going to be steady or no? Oh, I'm, I'm very ready for the wizard of Boz tomorrow. I, I think my prediction is he outduels sale. Wow. I want, I want to see Boz get to like 50, 55 pitches. That's what I'm, I'm concerned about length out of the bullpen and stuff like that. I don't know how long he's going to go. I have, I'm, I am actually feeling bullish. I think it's going to go well for him personally, uh, just because the track record of the previous three games show that his stuff is dominating and, and will blow people away. So fingers crossed for that. And uh, uh, oh my gosh, I just, I just think BJ Upton tweeted some more. No, oh god. Nope, it's weird videos. Don't click it. Don't click oh, it. No. All right. BG Upton's on some weird stuff tonight. Uh, Bree, do you have a Shane Boz prediction? No, I, I'm just looking forward to seeing how he does in that atmosphere. Because, I mean, it's going to be louder than it was tonight. I mean, and he's never pitched in anything like that. So. I hope it's good. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining. Uh, Bree, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure hearing you on Raise the Roof. Yes, thank you for having me. This was a good time. All right, game two coming up next. Go race.